What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show where we discuss all the culturally relevant aspects of the beautiful game. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all of the things that surround soccer and make it the game that we love, but none of the results happening on the pitch. My name is Louie, and I am joined here by my two amazing co-hosts. I'm Alan. And I'm Brendan. And this week, we got into a topic that I personally, personally love. We talked about club identities. And what we mean by that is we covered a little bit about what each club represents to its fans, to the people in the world. And we also spent a really good portion of the episode talking about club crests and why they are so different in global football than they are in American sports. With the release of David Beckham's MLS team's crest, Inter-Miami, we thought it was a good time to jump into what it means to have a good crest and what makes for a good crest and also generally what we thought about his crest if you enjoy this episode please give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app it helps us grow it helps bring new people to the show and we would really appreciate it you can find us on spotify itunes google play google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts you can find us you can also find us on instagram at culturef.c You should give us a follow there because every week we will be posting different things to have you comment and contribute to, and we will share your responses directly in the podcast. So if you want to engage with us, that'll be the absolute best way to do so. Well, that's enough for me. Let's jump into this week's episode. Well, alrighty, guys, let's jump right into this week's news segment. We're covering very interesting, culturally relevant news topics that have happened over the last week or so. So, kicking us off with something very funny, uh, our friend Diego Maradona was recently announced as the manager and head coach of the Dorados de Sinaloa, which is a, if I'm not mistaken, a second or third division team in Mexico, which, you know, that at face value sounds pretty cool. Great. Guy got another... uh, managing coaching job except for the fact that this club is in Sinaloa Mexico which is uh, where the world's biggest drug cartel is based out of the Sinaloa cartel so it's kind of funny to think that uh, Diego Maradona who has been known to uh, dabble uh, dabble I guess in in uh, a couple of drugs here and there he's a connoisseur <laughs> he's a drug connoisseur. He is uh, now coaching a team where he, in theory, will have very easy access to his uh, preferred substances. Uh, this is awesome, just because it, it. He just he lives the character that he is. Like there is nothing. That, he just he knows who he is as a person, which I you know I can't downfall him for that. He is comfortable with who he is. He lives it. He lets the world know. He let us know during the World Cup that he doesn't give a shit about anyone's opinion on him. He go out. He'll go to games completely freaking blasted out of his mind. And and yeah, I, you gotta respect it. You really do. He had a phenomenal showing at the World Cup. I'll I'll say that. And then he's just he's kept on par with that upward trajectory of just being the god that he is and Dude. i think i hope he doesn't like mysteriously die one day <laughs> yeah. because of a bad yeah. drug or if the team just is absolute shite but diego we miss we miss you and we we wish you the best <laughs> do we um do we know his like salary his like uh, official salary <laughs> it's probably something along the lines of all right we'll pay you twenty thousand a week 
plus a couple yeah, like pounds. Yeah, like if his salary is a little too low for his his figure or for who Maradona is, then there's some other stuff happening. Yeah, oh, yeah. You get that pure 100% uncut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, but he's not the, I mean, what Rafa Marquez was uh, like linked to a drug cartel in Mexico too, wasn't he? Like he was like a figure in Yeah, the well, that's because the Mexican drug cartel is like, ever present in mexico they have their hands in fucking everything i thought it was crazy that rafa marcus fucking came out in the world cup like he played a match in the world cup after being very heavily linked with being a, a drug cartel member which is <laughs> like, pretty cool <laughs> like, drug cartels really are maybe they're, maybe they're the new wave dude maybe <laughs> we just got to get on board i don't know yeah wow it's wow. crazy um but yeah, shout out Maradona, man. It's, let's see how he does. He, he doesn't have that fantastic of a coaching career. No. His like, coaching record's awful. Like he, It's actually terrible. He really got away with being a coach just because of who he is. But So I guess we now really know what his motivation to this new coaching job was. Because <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, how did he get this job? It's a second division club in Mexico. Yeah. He's not Mexican. He's Argentinian. What is the only connection that you could make as to why he'd be there? <laughs> yeah, because right. I'm sure he would be able... He could theoretically probably go... Wherever he probably wanted to go, he could have coached in Argentina to some extent, right? Yeah, yeah I'm sure he could find a position like a role somewhere, like a consulting position for right. way more money. Right, you know? right, 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 right. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. I mean, second division, like you'd hope that he'd have, I don't know, a, a decent team yeah. to, to compete. But we'll see how that plays out. But moving on um, to a little lighter news, something a little bit. Um, it's not funny, but it's it's as kind of uplifting. I will say, um, <laughs> <laughs> we put uplifting. <laughs> we put uplifting uh, news out there, but yes. So the other day, actually, Wilfred Zaha was commended for donating. Uh, there, it's not disclosed the amount of money, but donating a large sum of money to the women's Crystal Palace team. Um, the and this is kind of coming after an announcement that was made that, and I'm and I'm going to read it um, directly that. The announcement follows a report on Tuesday which said players at Crystal Palace Ladies had been told they faced not being able to represent the club any longer if they could not each raise £250 in sponsorship or put up the money themselves. So the women were facing kind of this, the possibility of not being able to play at all. There wasn't money behind the program. Uh, Wilfred Zaha came out and donated a lot of money, which actually kept them up. They tweeted at him and he tweeted back saying, hey, it's my pleasure. Um, and Wilfred Zaha is actually a pretty, um, he, he donates a decent amount of money, which is cool. We've seen that with like Juan Mata and the organization, the organization that he has. Um, common goal. Yeah, common goal. They, uh, I think they donate 1% of every footballer salary that's a part of common goal goes to helping um, organizations that need it. But Wilfred Zaha, very generous man. It's, it's really cool to kind of hear that and see footballers um, not only helping others, but helping the women's football, which I, I think often gets overlooked which is interesting because it, it paints a picture of what women's football is in england and it's funny because looking at how much money the prem makes um looking at how much money the premier league makes from tv deals and sponsorships and everything you think that each of them would be able to finance a team no problem you know but unfortunately as we saw manchester united the world's biggest football club just launched their women's team yeah like four months ago and this is a club that has more money than anybody on the planet. This is the most valuable sports franchise on the planet, tied with Dallas Cowboys. And they just launched their women's yeah. league. So it really shows the the sad state of women's soccer, women's football in England. Um, so hopefully this doesn't continue to be the case because, I mean, you shouldn't have to ask your players to pay 
yeah. to play for your club. Right. And I think for sure that it's a, it's a sad state in England, but it also goes to show that the rest of the world is definitely way worse, right? I mean, if this, the richest league in the world can't, can't, it isn't up, the, up with the times in, in women's football, imagine the rest of the world, right? So um, there definitely needs to be more attention put on women's football. And it's, it, it's good to see that um, players are kind of taking steps and actions to keeping at least, at least the clubs that they play for, keeping the women's sides alive for them. Yeah, it really shows his, his relationship and just his value that he holds for his own club. He's not just going there to play and, and just make money. He's there to play and to uplift others and to really give back to the community right. that has welcomed him. And I think it's super commendable. I, I wish more, more dudes out there would do it, but Wilfred Zaha, man. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what we want to see, right? Is players giving back to to the community, giving back to the culture, and um, I, I mean, for sure, commendable. And for our third piece of news today, we're gonna reach out and uh, talk about Nike and their recent collaboration with Chelsea and their third kit. Now, Nike has this design. It's called Nike Connect Design, and what it does is when you buy a jersey, you can connect it to um, your phone using NFC, and players will be able to kind of interact with the fans to some degree and you get kind of these um, limited chances to maybe win tickets to the go go see the game or so you can access Chelsea's gear first and um, you get access to their playlists on Spotify and stuff. So it's really trying to break this barrier of being able to connect with your club. And at first it seemed kind of like a marketing ploy, but as I kind of looked into it more, I thought it was a really cool idea and it would almost bring me closer to my club as a fan if I could see what they're listening to and almost get a chance to to live out maybe a dream come true. Yeah, so Nike did this in the NBA, I think, with almost all all the teams. They had this kind of same technology implemented on the jerseys. And at first, I... I remember, I don't remember what episode it was here in the podcast was just talking about that and shitting on the NBA and shitting on <laughs> basketball for doing that. Um, I'm not going to not shit on it now because I, I do think that there is a lot of, um, this is more marketing for me than it is actual connection between fans and players. I think, I, I don't necessarily believe that, um, say, Cristiano Ronaldo is making the playlist on Spotify that would connect me to this thing. I think that Cristiano Ronaldo's team might be doing that. Um that's a more sin, like cynical approach to this. I do think the the general premise of it is kind of cool. Um, but again, it's it's more of that little kind of old head mentality that I have of not being totally behind it. I don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think it's gonna be all that between like connecting fans and, and players, but there definitely could be chances. But it, again, it's like, oh, do the buy this jersey, scan your phone, maybe you can win chances to win a game. It all just seems like things that were just making me want to buy the jersey but not for for any like connection to the players type of reason yeah it's it feels super extra yeah. like i think cool like te- people are trying to put technology in everything like look at smart water bottles who l- that light up when the, to remind you to drink water like it's no, getting to a point where it's getting a little ridiculous i think the idea is cool to connect to fans but like you already have a cell phone that is connected at like a million like gigabits per second or whatever today that you can access anything in the world on your cell phone what's stopping you from just going on chelsea's website today entering like i don't know your email for a chance to win a thing why does it have to be a chip on the shirt that it just feels extra to me like it doesn't seem necessary and i guess a lot of technology today might be that way but i don't know 
Well, you guys are super old heads. <laughs> I I mean, if you're gonna buy a jersey at say ninety five dollars, ninety five. Yeah, but this one's probably dude. The thing is, is like too, is that I bet that this one is gonna it's be like one hundred and sixty dollars. Like, I don't think this one is gonna be the same price as the regular jersey, just because of this stupid patch. Well, and second of all. I'm an iPhone guy, and iPhone doesn't even do NFC, at least iPhone 6, so that doesn't help me at all. So how the hell am I going to connect? So you're already behind the times, bro. (laughs) How am I going to connect, Nike? Explain that to me. But keeping it along with Nike, we are doing four news topics today, guys. You get an extra one. Yes, this week was popping with news. Um, As to keeping it along with Nike, what I find funny is that if you listen to our episode, again, I don't remember which episode it was, but we have shat on Nike's designs for their jerseys for maybe a year now and talked about how Adidas has been kind of killing them and how Nike has been really lacking. But I'd like to apologize to Nike, sort of, because I think that this year they've taken their base template, which, mind you, all of their clubs have the same base template of a shirt, but at the same time, they've done some very interesting things. So this season, Nike, for a few different clubs, has come out with some very, very innovative third kit designs. So for Tottenham, a Roma, and Barcelona, their third kits feature a very, like, really nice artistic design that features the, uh, almost like, what is it called? Like a topographical view. Like, it's the map of each of these cities. So essentially, Tottenham has a, their third kit has the map of London kind of embedded into the shirt in its artistic design, as well as Roma has the same thing. It's like a topographical view of Roma in the design. And Barcelona also has uh, a very, you know, it's actually that iconic image of Barcelona with all those like rounded square, like blocks of of city blocks. Uh, They are imprinted and designed right into the design of the jersey. So I find this really, really innovative because it's, a, it looks really, really good in my opinion. I think the colors they picked for all three of these of these kits look phenomenal. Um, but on top of it, it just kind of really shows the connection that each of these clubs have to the regions that they play in, um, which is a good segue into our main topic. Before we get into it, what do you guys think of these third kits? Um, you know, at first, I didn't really like them. I thought it was kind of a cool idea, but... I just don't really love the look of some of the maps. But as a design standpoint, they have definitely pushed the envelope. And I applaud them for that as we have pooped on them a little bit. So good on Nike. I don't really love them, but it's definitely a new way to bring new design to football jerseys. Yeah, I think that this is this is pretty cool in the sense that not only are the, the color schemes nice and, I mean, the jerseys look good from just a like a very basic perspective but especially in today's times where the game is so globalized it really kind of roots it down to what Tottenham is or say or Barcelona is right Barcelona is this club that reaches everywhere every corner of the world but at the end of the day it's 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 something that's rooted in Barcelona in the streets that are being depicted in the jersey um which is something that we talk about is like at the end of the day if everything failed and um it's lost electricity. Like it's the people that are local to you that are going to keep your club alive. So it's it's cool to see that from that perspective of just like yes, I'm say I'm not a Tottenham fan, but if I were a Tottenham fan and I own this jersey, that's kind of on the jersey as being like I'm associating myself with that part of London, which I think is cool. Um, so I, I I really appreciate the design and I see what they're definitely trying to get out of it. And 
let people know that hey, this this is what Barcelona is. This is what Tottenham is. And um, what was the other one? Roma. 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 This is what Roma is. I don't want to overlook them, but yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely a um, a pretty cool idea. And I think that you just hit the nail right on the head, right? And it's like these clubs are all massive global powerhouses, right? But at the same time, clubs are rooted in a, a regional location. And this is a really good segue into today's topic, which is we are going to be talking about club identities. We kind of wanted to dive into club crests, club colors, and all of the things that make and identify each club. Because as we're seeing, these clubs are growing way past their regional limitations in a sense. Um, You know, like I said a little bit earlier in this episode, Manchester United is the world's biggest sports franchise, yet it is a club that is located in Manchester, England, and that is very, very important. Um, Some people may argue that it's not because these things have transcended their original uh, intentions, but at the same time, you can't forget that the people who make these clubs are the local ones, like Alan said. And so really, we kind of just wanted to dive into like, so for example, why does a crest matter? Why, why, what do they mean? And what makes a good crest? Um, and that kind of also spans into what makes the identity of each club iconic, right? So for example, uh, both Manchester clubs, they are two of the biggest sports brands in the world, but both of them feature a common symbol in their crest. They both have a ship, in their crest. And this is very important because it, it, it lends itself to the history and heritage of boating and like maritime activities in Manchester. And so this can kind of be seen in a lot of different crests. Like for example, Portland Timbers have a big ass axe in it, right? And that just lends itself to the region of Portland, Oregon, which has a very rich history of lumbering. And it's how a lot of the people there made a lot of their money. And it's what kept that region thriving. And so these crests, the reason they're important, it's not just because they're an identifiable mark of your club. It's not something that you can, it's not just because you can look at it and go, oh, okay, that's Barcelona's crest or that's Chelsea's crest or that's Real Madrid's crest. It's because each of these have deeper meaning than just the face value. Um, and that meaning comes from the people of the region, right? Like Portland Timbers wouldn't have a reason to put an axe on its crest if there was no lumbering industry in Portland. Um, and that's one of the things that I think I love the most about soccer is that it extends past just the sport. It, it's, it's a, it's, these clubs are a way to unify regions, right? A way to unify a city, to unify a people. And so in the best crests across the world, they signify and they really exemplify each of these places and cities. Yeah. What I like about um, football crests especially is that they're mul- very multifaceted. It's very different from a uh, typical crest. Or, uh, I don't even know if crest is the right word, where a logo for a sports team in the U.S. where it's usually just one thing. Um, um, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, a star that the English have, Patriots. Um, they're very just one one dimensional, and and those things could have some type of connection to the culture and to the society. Um, which we see with the Patriots, them. for example. Right. You know, they're based um, off of the Revolutionary War and things of that nature. Right. But a, in, a, in a football crest, you look at them, and it's, intri- it's intricate. It has so many things. I mean, you look at a Manchester United crest. I mean, the, any crest around the world, uh, Bayern Munich is another one that I think of. There are layers and layers of different meanings to every element that was put into the crest. And it's representing the everyday worker, the the 
the blue collar, the steel industries, it, it represents a lot more than just a one thing that is supposed to encompass an entire culture. And it's very interesting from, you know, I'm going to keep with Manchester United mostly because I'm going to be a homer here because I support Manchester United. But, yeah. you know, I talk about the, the ship in the crest, but you also have the red devil, which has deeper meaning. Um, and so what is that meaning? Manchester United was once known as Newton, uh, Newton Heath. That was the name of the club when it first originated in like 1880, whenever it was. I'm so sorry. Don't hate me, Manchester United fans. Um, but essentially they became known as the heathens. And so then people took that to be the devils. And then the devil got incorporated into the crest. Um, a little bit later on. It wasn't part of the original crest of Newton Heath, but it eventually made its way into the crest. And so, like Alan said, it's it's multi-layered. It's, it's, there's lots of different elements to it. Um, of course, you have the name of the, the region, of uh, the name of the club, and, and different elements in it. Yeah, I will say there's a super interesting website out there for anyone that's ever interested in like football cresting history. A lot of it right now is mostly prem and English teams, but the Football Crest Index is a website where you can kind of explore um football crest yeah they all seem to be um in the premier league or english teams but you can go on and see the different kind of the historical um changes that have happened to the football crest but and also see uh what each piece and element of, of the crest means which is pretty cool but see that's that's something that's super interesting because people study these things they're, they're things that um represent not only a club but it represents different generations of people supporting the club right and, and we've seen this with changes in, in, in modern clubs and we'll get to that in the future but each club each iteration or each crest sorry and each iteration of a crest has its own significant meaning to a specific time of that club and of the people that support it which i find super fascinating and super interesting because you'll see one time why is the red devil put in the crest why was it put in at that specific time why why is something taken out why so all of these things and these little changes have significant meanings that are that that go at least in my mind far beyond just the aesthetic of the crest yeah. and just making it look good and even when they do, like with modern times, try to make the club's crest look good, as you say, they still connect it with the originality of where it came from. Right. And that just holds true to the tradition that soccer really is, I believe. And a lot of people, I don't think, really recognize that a club's crest really is such a big identifier for who they are and the area they're from. Not just some sick logo. Because, I mean, I would spend hours on FIFA looking for the coolest logo and not have a clue right. why. You know, like my favorite my favorite one's Derby County. And just that. I, I personally love Kaiser Chiefs. Ah, yeah, Kaiser Chiefs I mean? right? is a dope crest, man. So, and and believe it or not, those all those crests probably have so many informative pieces of yeah. their culture that we don't even know about. And it's amazing that soccer has that aspect in it as opposed to i mean i know they're i'm sure the bot like red Sox and all these other teams we're familiar with have some sort of history but it seems as if the the aspect in soccer really holds deeper than many other sports so i have a notion on what you just said and i'd love to take you get your guys opinion on this maybe i'm incorrect in thinking so but it almost feels like in america we want to water down our sports to make it as accessible as possible you know sure the red socks like people uh, i can guarantee you that a ton of people in our region here in new england don't really understand why they're called the red socks and if they do i have no idea 
oh, you want to know why? Sure. The team in Boston used to play in Red Sox. And nice. that was what identified them from the wow. other team yeah. back in when they started. Yeah. Wow. So like, cool. Right. But like, what's the significance? Right. And you may think, why do you need significance? But if sport doesn't connect to real life, then in my opinion, I dislike that. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a very great point. Like there doesn't need to be, a, I personally don't think that there doesn't need to be a meaning behind it, but then you just get a sport. And that's not what soccer is. The, soccer is special. And then the reason why we even have this podcast, because soccer isn't just a sport. Like soccer could just be this thing where every team has a generic logo and it's, it could be whatever. And it's just something that we watch for fun. It's not something that we cry over. It's not something that we fucking yell at people for. It's not something that I'm punching walls because cry of, over. right? So yes, it doesn't, the, the crests don't necessarily have to have a meaning, but the reason why this sport is so fantastic and so amazing is because these crests, and not just the crest, but Everything that is happening on the soccer, related to soccer, has a meaning. It has something that connects it to the people that are supporting it. Which, you know, shout out to MLS 1.0. And to, to perfectly illustrate Alan's point of what he just said, Google what the original logos of MLS teams looked like. And I'm using the word logos here very specifically because they were not crests. You had teams like the Kansas City, or sorry, Kansas City Wiz. They were the nice. Wizards that then shorted it to Wiz. You had the, uh, what was it? The New York Metro Stars. You had New England Revolution, which still exists. Sorry. Um, and then you had teams like that just, none of these things made a, like made any sense. The only two teams that have kept their original name from the original um, MLS 1.0 is the LA Galaxy and the New England Revolution. The only club that hasn't changed its crest since the first year of MLS is the New England Revolution. Um, the rest of them have all changed their crest. Take a look at Real Salt Lake. They became Real Salt Lake. Uh, Kansas City changed their name to Sporting Kansas City. Um, you have a lot of these clubs in the MLS who realized that their original names and crests and identities clearly weren't enough. They weren't connecting with people and people clearly didn't like them. So then they took it improved upon it and now we have actual club names in the mls and i'm not saying every club in the mls needs to be an fc or a cf or a sporting club or anything like that um because you know sometimes that comes across a little generic because you're just trying to be this european thing but at the same time as we see with seattle sounders vancouver and portland those are in my opinion very north american styled names but they all have roots in history they all have roots in a people you know the vancouver region's very mountainy so there's a white caps it makes sense right. portland timbers i mean yes they are the portland timbers football club but at the same time most people just refer to them as timbers or the portland timbers and, and that's okay because it has a meaning it has some of that that heritage attached to it no, yeah, I, uh, for sure. I think that um, the MLS is funny because I, I still do think that there are some club, club crests that are that are iffy for me, where I'm like, well, there isn't all that history behind it. Not even history, but there isn't all that much story. Like, I'm still on the fence about um, some clubs and if this is more of just a, a logo, like you said before. But I do think that, again, there's nothing wrong with being an Americanized version of this if these crests have meaning behind it and connected to the same way that you're, you're, you're talking about. So the MLS is a, is a f funny case study because it, 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 the MLS logos have all come in more modern times in a time where, um, 
I think people were more concerned about just having that aesthetic of a logo versus just versus creating a crest that was combining a whole bunch of different things. So the MLS is a really interesting case study, but I do think that especially with renovated um, logo or, or crest, I guess stop saying logos with with new crests out there in the MLS, they've been picking up on that more more so than ever. Yeah, I think they've really been able to research what is a crest and they have taken the time and even asked input from their fans and stuff like that to see right. what they would really appreciate the most for their club. Um, but what I find super interesting about the MLS is that each club is pulling inf- influences from other parts of the world for their naming and for their uh, brand identity or for their club identities, which in a way, in my opinion, makes perfect sense for, for North America because North America was completely settled by immigrants. We continue to be settled and influenced by immigrants and we are a giant melting pot of cultures. Um, because if you look at crests in England, they all share a common theme. If you look at crests in Germany, they have a common theme or, or shared elements within them. Uh, to give you an idea, um, in Spain, a lot of clubs are known as a, a Real something, uh, Real Madrid, Real uh, Sociedad. You have clubs like that because in the up until the 30s when there was the monarchy in Spain, the king would like crown a club as, like as a, a, a monarchy club almost. In other words, they would bestow the title of Real to them to allow them to to be, you know, it's essentially like a stamp of honor from the king. It gave them legitimacy. It made each club a little bit higher. So, for example, Real Madrid, originally their crest was just a circle with, um, was it R, M, and like C or whatever yeah. those letters are. And it was just a circle. But then they added the crown right above it, which is its main distinguishing feature today is that crown above the crest of Real Madrid because it links itself to the king of Spain. Um Similarly, a lot of clubs have the flag of their city or the flag of their region imbued into their crest. In the example of Barcelona, they were never considered a Real club, and which we've spoken about before, they want to separate themselves from Spain. They are very anti... they're not necessarily anti-Spanish, but they're anti-like the government of Spain, sort yeah. of. So for them, they have the, the, the Catalan flag right into it in the crest. And so... It's really cool to see how each country has these different design elements um, and then bring it back to the MLS, how each of the clubs in the MLS were like, ooh, I like this style. Because if you were to compare, for example, the Columbus Crew Crest, which I personally love, it pulls a lot of influence from German-style crests versus uh, Royal Salt Lake, which I A, hate the name, B, hate the crest, and C, hate the colors. It doesn't wow. because it doesn't make sense to me. There's no king in Salt Lake City. There's no monarchy in in Utah. Why are you Real Salt Lake? Mormons, you know. <laughs> and so it's just yeah. a fun. It's it, it's. I both love and and sort of find that a little sounds weird. like more of like a, a youth team name. Like oh, we're gonna be Real Real Madrid B team. Like you know, yeah. like that's the. I, so I, I agree with you on that on that aspect. Um, but for a lot of other clubs, it works. I think Sporting Kansas City, it's a phenomenal name. You know what I mean? Sure, they only play soccer. There's no other sports, but does it stop them from having a, a cricket team in a year? No, because yeah. it allows them to have a full-blown uh, hierarching like, brand over all of this. Yeah. Um, and this was originally going to be a news topic, but we figured we'd introduce it as part of today's main topic. David Beckham this week just launched the the crest for inter miami cf which if you have not seen it 
please go pause the podcast or even don't pause the podcast. Just Google it real quick and take a look at it. Um, it is a black circular logo with a, you know, kind of pendant in the middle with two flamingos. And I personally love the crest. And before we continue the conversation, what do you guys think of this crest? Love it. Um, before we started the podcast, I was talking with Louie about how excited I was to see not only just the God himself, David Beckham, releasing a crest, but not having it be like a shitty one. This is beautiful. It, it, it makes me want to support this club and the two flamingos, the minimalistic kind of color scheme use. It just really, I feel Miami vibes. Yeah, no, it's it's. It's specifically really great for me because not only does it look good, but it really just it, it it makes sense that David Beckham did it right. It doesn't look like a crest that that David Beckham didn't have any input on. Like he owned, like he's you see that he is on this crest. Like a guy that's super fashion forward, he's modern, all of these things, but understands the sport and understands the culture behind it. All of those things got encompassed in this crest, and I. And, I mean, even the color scheme of it is just like it makes them stand out so much in 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 the MLS and in world football. Honestly, and I I find it amazing, amazing, amazing. And so the reaction online has been a hundred percent mixed. Um, some people hate the fact that they're calling it the Club Internacional de Football. They're like, why is it in Spanish? And it's like, yeah. Okay, well, you ever been to Miami? Yeah, do they do like, if you can tell me that 100% of the people in Miami only speak English? Sure, I'll believe you. Yeah. But if you've ever stepped foot in Miami, you know that the that city go to Miami and try to speak English is, a is actually the like, tough part. Um, <laughs> like the thing about Miami, if you've never been, it is when we talk about, you know, melting pot cities, Miami is that to a T. It is a phenomenal port city. Its location in terms of 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 Florida it opens itself up to so many different parts of the world. Um, it's probably one of the busiest airports, I believe, in the United States. So you get people in from all over the world. Um, and it really is an international city. And so for you to call it Inter-Miami, for me, that makes perfect sense because Miami is that. You have Cuban influence, uh, Haitian influence, a, a big Hispanic influence of, of many different kinds, as well as um, clearly it's an American city. It's in Florida. But you know you have influences from all these different cultures, these different cities. I don't think any other name would have made any sense if they just called it Miami United, right? Okay, it's not a terrible name because Miami is a very big city. There's lots of other areas, but I don't think it fits what Miami is. And so when you have a name like Inter-Miami, which encompasses that international city uh, element of Miami, but then you add these visual elements with, you know, the two flamingos with their legs interlocking, this uh, like a, a solar eclipse which really showcases both, you know, the the sunny aspect of Florida and also just like the sunshine. And the flamingos is just like you look at a flamingo, what's what state does that remind you of? Clearly you're going to think of like right. Florida or or something like that. So I think that this crest is phenomenal. And I'm going to contrast it with Chelsea's crest. Not that I think Chelsea's crest is bad. I actually really love Chelsea's crest. I think it works very well. And but do you, do you see lions roaming around London? Right. Yeah. True. But of course, a lot of English crests, I should probably mention this, they don't get their symbolism directly from the animals of the region. Right. They actually get their symbolism from coat of arms from prior British royal yeah. uh, prior British families who had these animals on their coat of arms. Um, but at the same time, 
you like I said, you still don't see lions in London. So yeah, uh, yeah, again, but the th- yes, with the, li- the the whole lion thing not being being seen in London, but that is the you touched upon it. It's a cultural thing between like this is a coat of arms. Everyone is doing that type of thing. Where it, yeah, they might not see the animal, or you may, but you, you these things are rooted from something historically important. And not necessarily an animal being... Just the animal being a part of that environment, um, per se. And even just the name of the club, you know, it's Club International de Football, Inter-Miami CF, and also they can even shorten it to Inter-Miami. I think it's, it's... He has taken every step to what designing a crest, designing a team... I mean, the guy bought this in 2007... Like that's when he put the money down. Yeah, it is now 2018. Yeah, this guy has time. been nonstop working for 11 years. Well, maybe not nonstop, but knowing David Beckham, that cool guy, he's probably been. Well, he about it. so he got this club because it was written into his contract. When they brought him to to the MLS, there was a clause in his contract that said he could activate it at any point, and he'd be given a uh, franchise at a discount. Um, but anyway, we opened up this exact question to our followers on Instagram where you can follow us at culturef.c and we asked people to comment below what they thought about the crest and our friend Dob Bylan Tvan Elor I, dude, I'm so sorry. I really can't pronounce your name. One. I apologize. But he said about time we have a pink team. And yeah, I think that so it like it does kind of step stand out in in comparison to the rest of the MLS crests. Um, I don't think anyone else has pink yeah. on their crest, and I also can't even think of any think club of in the world. Club in the world that has that. It's an interesting. Maybe um, what's the? Uh, oh, just kidding. Italian Palermo team. Yeah, Palermo. Yeah, but still, Palermo pink, pink is not just a very kidding. popular color um, in world football. So that's definitely cool. I actually have a side note question about Miami. Their crest has club Internacional de Football, but their actual like Twitter handle and stuff is all Inter Miami CF. They're, are they just choosing one to be Hispanic or like what's the deal with that? Well, because yeah, if no. that's the case, I kind of don't love. I don't love that. Well, like, I want them cool. to appropriate the the culture through throughout the whole thing. Well, <laughs> no, I think true. it's funny because like you know. Well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'm going to counter that because uh, the Montreal Impact is the way that everybody in the United States refers to the Montreal Impact. In reality. The name of the club is Impact de Montreal, but only people in Montreal refer to that that way. Um, so it's kind yeah, of yeah. But thing. does Montreal brand themselves that way? I think they do. It has. I think the crest says Impact de Montreal, but all of their stuff is Montreal Impact. Okay. Because I, pro- I, I have a problem with that too. I'm not saying that that like um, maybe it's just I, an MLS I just, thing. Because you know yeah, well, because well, because their their crest says Club Internacional. Yeah, their football, but then they're branding themselves all as Inter Miami at CF. So like the not even. Ooh, just kidding. I'm gonna have to backtrack my statements. The crest on Mont- Montreal's crest says Impact Montreal, okay. which is actually kind of the middle man of both of these points. Is yeah. that they decided to take out the the differentiator so that yeah. both cultures can um, yeah okay use it. I guess yeah. I don't but think again, it's, another quirk of a crest. I get. I, I guess I don't. But really at have the same time, I don't think it's it. too much of an issue because they play in the MLS, which is a majority based in the United States, where the you know the right. quote unquote official language is English, mm-hmm. whereas the second language is Spanish, 
so I think it's okay. I think it works. It's one of those things where you wouldn't have this in other other countries necessarily because the MLS spans two countries. You have, you know, three clubs in Canada that are part of the MLS. Um, and so, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a nice oh, yeah. little quirk to discuss. Yeah. I guess it adds. I guess a I don't bit have a, that much of a problem with it. I, I, it was just a, it's a weird it's a weird the little um, nuance that I, I actually hadn't paid attention to before um, in in the way that they name themselves on their social medias and stuff versus the way that they're actually um, represented on the crest. But yeah, but kind of circling back to uh, when we were talking about the MLS kind of rebranding and re redoing a lot of their crests, this is something that you know. A lot of clubs in the around the world, they will update their crests, but I won't say that they'll rebrand them because I don't think that any many clubs will not rebrand. They'll just update to make it more modern. Um, of course, the exception being Manchester City actually rebranded their. I, I don't want to say rebrand either because Man City just took some of the elements from their old crest and modernized it. I and would modernized say. Yeah. it. It wasn't such a major shift the way that, for example, um, two clubs that I find that contrast very interestingly in this topic are Juventus and Leeds United. Um, Leeds United, for those of you guys who may not really even know what Leeds is, Leeds United is a club in England that is currently in the second or third uh, division of English football, Um, but they were a powerhouse in the 80s. They were, you know, super popular team in the 80s. Their rivalry with Manchester United is legendary. Um, because these clubs were, were Leeds was that big of a club. Today, they're not that big of a club anymore. They've fallen from grace, I guess you could say. But to celebrate their uh, centennial, they decided to take their old crest, which had what uh, was called the, the White Rose of York, which is a very prominent symbol for their region, completely scrapped the crest that everyone has loved for years, and they came out with a crest that was the most generic, basic, most boring thing on the face of the earth. It featured a, a guy with his hand across his chest which with, with what they called the lead salute, which all of this reeks of a marketing firm going, no, this would be a great idea. Um, what was the result? They launched it to the fans they got completely lambasted on social media and torn to shreds to the point where that this this crest never actually saw the light of day it was on their website i think for two months as the official crest before they went you know what this was a bad move um and shortly thereafter they completely got rid of it and brought the old crest back um, and the reason this is important is because we talk about we touch upon this every once in a while about how a lot of international football slash soccer fans are old heads similar to how alan and i have a lot of these these ideas people love tradition in soccer because they're rooted in something real right and so when you just slap your entire fan base in the face by saying oh your tradition doesn't matter we're going to give you something stupid clearly that's not going to work for you no yeah i mean and what makes the sport so special is that it connects current modern times to past times it connects people of different generations and all of these things so it's not that necessarily people hate modernization of things they just hate when you're when you lose the thing that connects so many people right so this Leeds united crest it went from being something that represented a culture of people to having this guy with this uh, quote-unquote lead salute but it was this like almost cartoony depiction it's not something that really looked as royal as regal as as important as the the crest that they had prior to that um 
So you lose a little bit, not only were they losing a bit of their identity, it almost felt like it, it, it was a marketing ploy. It was something that was just like, oh, let's make this a little bit more modern, try to connect it to the people. But it didn't feel like that when you look at it. No, it looks like a straight up Adobe stock option yeah. for if you want to create a crest. And yeah. It's like, oh, do you want to use this? This is an idea. Yeah. You like, could put any name above this crest yeah. and it wouldn't make a difference. Yes. Yeah. Just change the colors a little bit. Yeah. Change the there colors, put a different word. This and is a good is. Sunday league crest. Like, Maybe. Throw it on there. Like, it's like, and then on the shirt, you could say dads. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> dads. Yeah. dads no, that's United. a really good crest for an indoor team. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Th- that's a good point. If there's a Sunday league team out there, take this crest and make yeah. it yours. It would fit good. you. Yeah. It clearly didn't fit the yeah. people of no. Leeds and clearly didn't fit the fans of that football club. But on the contrary, there was a club that went through a super, super in-depth rebranding and modernization, which is Juventus. They took their more classical uh, oval logo, logo uh, crest. Sorry. Yeah. They took their more classical oval crest that had black and white stripes and the word Juventus across it and basically turned it into a modernized, stylized J in the shape of a crest. And yet it seems that the footballing world has either fell in, fallen in love with this or at least accepted it. The The... Backlash didn't necessarily exist as much as when other clubs tried something funky. And I have my theory on this, but I want to ask you guys, what do you think of Juve's new crest? Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's like a double-edged sword because like, from a design aspect, it looks really cool and modern and minimalistic. And it almost ties in those kind of black and white stripes with just making it like some kind of frame of a J. But at the same time, you look back at their old crest and you just see this rich, historic crest. And then even they had a zebra originally and like there's no zebra, there's no horse anymore. It's just the J and it seems kind of like like a, a graphic designer's take on what Juventus is. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, and I agree with B because the crest looks really good. I don't have any coral, like I don't have any issues with it in the way that it looks. But it's not; it's still not. I, I still see it on their jersey, and I think it's weird because it's not what I in my head have for Juventus's crest. Like I still associate them with their old crest. Same. I see this on a jersey, and I'm like, "What the fuck are they playing with their training tops for?" Yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that this is Juventus. So. And like the zebra that they had before, did it have meaning to them? Like, did Italy necessarily have zebras? No, no. But they created a his like it, it's one of those things where it, they created that history over years and years and years and years and years, and it's just something that fits on. It's just now, and I I don't even I, I guess I'm reading the football crest index. So it says it's a zebra. I just thought it was a horse. Yeah. But that's what I associated with Juventus, and I, I thought that that was that was who they were. Um, the, the new crest is nice and it's a step into modernizing um, crests per se. It, it's definitely, it, it's a minimalistic change. It's not something that you're really. Um, they didn't take the horse out and put it like a I don't yeah, know, they elephant. Didn't, they right. didn't, no. they just, they removed it and they just simplified the crest, which is chill. But at the same <laughs> time, I'm like, ah, you're losing a lot of the things that made you you. People associate with Juventus. That that was my only issue with it, and I, I felt like their their old crest was like 
iconic almost. Like it was, it, you could see that and you knew. I mean, all, other than the fact that it said Juventus on it, like you saw that color scheme, that pattern, you knew what, what it was. So again, I, I'm one of the people that are just like, sure, man. But I, I still don't think that it's, I, I would, if they went back to it, I'd praise him for it. Right. And I think that's kind of what the footballing world generally feels. It's not a bad logo. It's not a bad design. It just feels like it it removed some of the elements that made Juve Juve. Now, my theory on this and my counteracting point to this is that the most iconic parts of the Juve logo, yes, there was the 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 zebra or the horse or whatever it is that you, you know, you know, what you see there, but I don't think that was ever as prominent as the black and white stripes. So, this modernistic minimalistic approach to their crest Basically, what they're using doing is taking the what people call the white space or the the negative space of this crest. Because right. some people look at it and just see the J with another right. line, but in reality, what they did was they made the f- shape of a crest and put lines there. And with the negative space, they're trying to symbolize the black and white striped right. parts of Juve. Now, that being said, do I agree with Alan and think that the old crest was more Juve? Yes. But this is also part of the conversation because, like we said at the beginning of the episode, clubs are becoming ultra-modern global brands. And so this was Juve's step to remove itself almost from Italy and expand into the world, at least in the minds of consumers, because they're trying to build this massive global powerhouse brand. And, you know, you could take that for what it's worth, but I almost feel like if, if you start to lose that regionalness regionality, whatever word you want to use to associate with the region, you will eventually get to a point where if they're not rooted in a physical location, where do you exist? You know, it's like, where are the future football clubs going to exist if all of them do what Juve did? They're all going to exist in FIFA. That's the only place they're going to exist. Virtual world. (laughs) No, I I completely agree. And that's what I'm saying is like, this crest to me looks like if I went into Google and said minimalistic Juventus crest and some designer popped it up for me, which is cool. I mean, it's, it's what I was looking for. But at the same time, you and again, the zebra has nothing to do with Italy, nothing. But it, it had historical context. It had been there for years and years and years. Someone back in the day chose this and said, here, this is this regal animal that we're going to throw on it. Sure, they're doing the exact thing that we say now that American clubs do whatever but they built up years and years in his, of history behind it it identified with juventus and i don't think that their their the crest that was before this one wasn't modern no i, I thought don't it think, was pretty yeah. modern for 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 all the iterations that their crest had been through yeah and I, I thought that this crest is fairly modern and i think that they could have done if they felt they needed to update their 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 crest i think there's multiple ways they could have done it which would have brought them into the 21st century that wouldn't have been such a drastic change right. of course the drastic change is actually probably too was to make that impact globally as a brand so you can't fault them for that because that was their intention um but at the same time, someone might argue, hey, uh, you know, there are no horses or zebras right, in, right, in right, Italy. Right. So, like, what really rooted it in that part of right. of, uh, of Turin, you know? But, you know, it's one of those things that I just hope that people don't forget that clubs need to exist physically. Yeah. Um, because no matter, you know, it could be a thousand years from now, you're still going to have regions. They're still going to be, they're still going to have identifiable traits in these regions. So, you I just hope people don't forget that. 
Yeah, man. Juventus brought into the year 3000 with the Jonas Brothers out here with minimalistic <laughs> designs. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, maybe we'll look back on this one day and we'll be saying, hey, this is now what represents them and the people. And we maybe they know, started a right? trend. Right. Yeah, right. For, for all of the drastic changes that we've seen in Club Crest taken, like, this is a... The drasticity is that a word? The the drasticness. The drasticness of the, of the no, change. No, no, I don't like that. I'm gonna go with drasticity. It yeah. sounds like a better word. Yeah, the drasticity of this change isn't all that crazy. It's just the way that we associate with Juventus that that becomes distorted. Right. Whereas with the Leeds Crest, we universally despise uh, yeah, it because it's stupid. The drasticity of that was at a, on a scale of one to ten was at ten, yeah. and everybody hated it. Yeah. So yeah, and so you know, I, I think that. It's really interesting to take both of these clubs and compare them into how they tried to do it because, you know, Juve did something bold and it could be that, like Alan said, in the future we look back and go, you know what? That was cool. It works. It's fine. Um, But, you know, at the same time, there are mixed feelings about it. Right. I mean, and a lot of times, I mean, people are just adverse to change from from the beginning anyways. Like, you don't want to necessarily see change. Um, especially with something that you're you're okay with and that you love and associate with your right heart. um and, and hindsight's always i mean but there there have always been clubs that have made really drastic changes in in their crests um but I think you normally can get away with it when the club's a little younger and there when there is an historical context between something behind something um because i i i would say that if you asked all the Juventus fans out there in the world, if they thought that the crest needed to be changed, none of them would say yes. Right? Yeah. And, and like a lot the of the percentage a, that would say yes right. would be a, so minimal. That a lot it, of them, and, and, and the consumer like, the consumer here being the fan, doesn't always necessarily know what's best for the club in a business standpoint, but there are some things, and this can be, this will, will be another topic that I think should just stay true to the fans and, and doesn't need to be commercialized. I think that there's so many aspects of the sport that can be and, 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 and are, and are, yes, exactly. I don't think this needs to be one of them. I think that this is something that, uh, if you're going to make changes, make changes that re- again, reflect the, the current group of people that support your club. Um, and don't make it try to be just some fancy change that brings hype to your club for a little bit and then all of a sudden has nothing to do with who you are as, a, as an organization. Now, this part is very exclusive just to the video version that's watching this. I just found this picture on Google Images and this is one of the... Uh, this is what I was talking about. This is this was one way that Juve could have modernized their crest without getting rid of all of their elements. And I'll, put, of course, put the picture on the video version. But it took the original. It yeah. took the brand new design. Wow. It kept the 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 stallion horse slash zebra, whatever it was. Kept the yellow line, but completely modernized the crest. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. There are ways of doing it where, sure, the impact of this wouldn't have been as big as what they went with, but this would have pissed less people off. Yeah. It would have alienated less people. It would have stayed true, generally speaking, to to what Juve was, and it still would have given them that that impact that they wanted. Yeah. and so. This is kind of what I'm talking about. There are yeah. ways of modernizing a crest, and there are ways to not modernize. I think crest. one club that did that that we already touched on was Manchester City. I think that they modernized their club in a way that makes it feel 2018. It makes it feel like the people that are that are Manchester City fans without losing all 12 of you. Who, <laughs> <laughs> yes, without losing who Manchester City was. 
right? They still have that. They, they kept still the have ship. They kept the roads. All the things that made Manchester City's crest what it is, they kept, but made it modern. I really, I commend them on that change because I do think that they did a really good job. And the reason that's important is because they were in a similar situation to Juve. Well, maybe slightly different because Juve is the most successful club in Italian history. But in all honesty, the two clubs in Italy that have more global impact are the two Milan clubs. AC Milan and Inter Milan have always been better commercial, uh, globally commercial brands, in my opinion, than Juve ever was. And so they found themselves in a situation similar. Manchester City and Juve found themselves in similar situations. Essentially, what they wanted to do was enter the global market as powerhouse brands to allow themselves to continue to grow. Juve took the super drastic change of, of doing what they did. And Manchester City took it and created a modern crest that still exemplified all of the things that were Manchester City. And so did they both have the right effect? Yeah, at the end of the day, both clubs became bigger global brands. But I think Manchester City did it better than Juve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And what a day it is when Alan and I are giving props to Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I think we've kind of exhausted our... Uh, topics of uh club identity and yeah. crests and kind of what it means to to the people and the fans of each of each club um but let us know what do you guys think do you do you think that juve were right to do what they did do you like their new crest how do you feel about manchester city's crest do you guys think that they were you know do they need to rebrand or do you think that it was a little unnecessary what do you guys think send us a dm follow us on instagram comment on some stuff we love the interaction so that's it, guys. Great episode in the books. Let us know any thoughts you have on anything that we said. As always, reach out to us any of the various ways that you can connect with us. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.